Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Well, welcome back to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about the variety of ways that you can make your next fundraising event better. And um, we've got a very special guest today in the studio with us. We have got Catherine Lacefield. So Catherine is known for her think-outside-the-box attitude and strong mobilization skills. Her work in the nonprofit world for the past 20 years, combined with her current position as the coordinator for a philanthropy research network, has earned her a well-rounded vision of the inner workings of the sector. From fundraising campaigns and donor management and development and governance, she excels at building overarching strategies for organizations as the founder of Just Because Consulting. So her passion for animal causes and sustainable development pushes her to constantly seek out solutions and strategies that are respectful towards the environment and animals, while her natural talent for communications makes it easy for her to empower teams to reach their goals. So, Catherine, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I also have a special guest with me, Pugsley. I yes, see who that. Who is that? Yes, yeah, <laughs> he's um, just craving attention all morning. So, and Take what's her. his name? His name is Pugsley. Very original, of course. As a pug, of course. <laughs> but uh, his pet name is Poop Dee because he tends to poop in places without us ever knowing how we got there. Mm. <laughs> so he's a, he's a little special one. <laughs> well, nice to meet both of you. <laughs> and I brought Elise Negabauer with me. I'm Jeff Porter, uh, CEO and founder of Hambid. And um, Elise is super excited also, I, I think, am. to be on this podcast episode because you are a big animal lover. I am. Dogs are my favorite. I have three of them. So I'm a little crazy at our house. And yeah. I've also done a lot of work with rescues and fostering and helping different animal organizations as well. Yeah, we love animal causes. We do. And, um, you know, we've got a family dog as well, and I and they definitely are rewarding, you know, to animals are, and pets and whatnot. <laughs> They're and great. They are. And I've got plenty of friends who I, I would say take it to a new level with pets. I mean, across the board, <laughs> they're everywhere in the house. But Oh, that might be us. <laughs> I find the worst yeah. that I've ever had was, I think at one time when I was working at the animal, uh, an animal shelter, I was fostering eight cats i had like a mom and seven kittens and a deaf dog argentino plus i think we even had a little old poodle at one point two rabbits two rats plus roommates like it was in a like an apartment you know it was just it was just absolutely ridiculous so been there done that no but you know it's when you are an animal lover and that's part of the cause and and something that you truly care about it's got to be rewarding i would imagine Catherine, to work with organizations who also are supporting animal causes of course and i think that's what brings a lot of people into a lot of nonprofits is because they care and are passionate about the cause and so of course if you're someone has always cared about animals that's how you're going to get into animal welfare animal rights organizations that's how i started working at an animal shelter I had been that crazy vegetarian 15-year-old that was, you know, being annoying to my parents as of a very young age involved in in the movement. And then when I finally turned 18 and I could start volunteering at the shelter, I jumped on the occasion and then just from there moved on into working in the foster department adoption. And so you just kind of built up in that that space. Sure do. 
So tell us what you do with Just Because Consulting. I'm a fundraising consultant more specifically, but I have touched on everything uh, because I've noticed that a lot of people that work in nonprofits are great at their cause. So for example, in an animal shelter, they'll be great at knowing how to take care of animals. And yet when you talk about the nonprofit management side of things, they tend to really not know what they're doing in most cases. <laughs> so when it comes to event planning or when it comes to, you know, managing a capital campaign or a major gifts campaign or even just any digital online fundraising, they, they don't really know what they're doing at all. So that's where I tend to come in of, of helping guide them to be more efficient in their fundraising strategies, doing event audits of how they can be more efficient and have a better return on investment for their events. But uh, a lot of my stuff has has been really around fundraising strategy overall and how different pieces of the puzzle come together. And that's where I think my my forte really lies is that a lot of organizations, they, they silo a lot of their work of like, oh, well, this is communications. This is, you know, the animal shelter, like services, adoption. And then that's the fundraising. And so right. I tend to, to allow to create more of this culture where, no, everyone is involved in fundraising. And you need to have that yes. connection between not just your different departments, but even within fundraising. Your events are also great for individual acquisition, donation acquisition. And they might be great major gifts people later on. Or how do your corporate sponsors fit in? So that's really about making those right. connections together. That makes sense. It you know, does. and we've talked about that in previous podcasts where you kind of have to look at events as part of that overall, you know, we call it on the commercial space, like a sales funnel, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're bringing somebody in, you, they might be new to your organization, you're building and starting a relationship with them and you're going to nurture them through. And I think when you have a cause where you can get them, you kind of immediately connected to it, then I think it makes sense. And so what I mean by that is you look at animal causes. I mean, if it's something where they get to connect with what you do, you know, maybe by bringing some of these animals to yeah. the event, then I think it definitely can be more impactful. And and we've seen that, like my daughter's got a rare disorder. And one of the things that's probably the most meaningful part of our event is when we get all those kids up on stage and they can see these are the individuals that you're supporting, right? Or these are the rescue dogs or whatever. You want to tug on those heartstrings for sure. Of course. Yeah. I mean, now, maybe both. we're not bringing gorillas to an event. Do not recommend. <laughs> it might be exciting. But, but I mean, you know, if you if it's something I think is feasible, I, I would I would imagine that would be pretty powerful. It, yeah. In your experience, have you seen that? Have you have you been parts of events where there have been? animals or bringing you know not gorillas thank god no. <laughs> yes that has not happened but definitely um at the montreal spca in in quebec we did a dog like a dog gala and there was a dog fashion show and so they took a lot of employees more it was it was it was not necessarily dogs that were at the shelter because a lot of them were, were more stressed and there was right. too much pressure on that to, for that to make sense but a lot of them were animals that had been adopted or for being in, in that were in foster care for example so they would they they got the ones that were more social that wouldn't and they trained them in an appropriate ways so to make sure that they wouldn't be too freaked out at the event itself. So you had to keep that into consideration when you're using animals at an event. But so it was a lot of dogs that were either employees or volunteers that yes. had been there for a long time that were really aware and that uh, were well behaved enough to be able to participate in the event. It was really fun. They did a little fashion show and it helped raise a lot of funds actually for the shelter. But it does. I think that if you can bring and 
obviously most of the people who are coming to this event are very interested in the animals. So if you bring them there, it's just a added yes. benefit and we've a seen more fun. that. Yeah, and you know it's funny because we were talking about earlier just amongst the handbed team. Like, so what, what events have you all or have we been at where they, they actually have dogs? And we're not talking about the puppy they pass around that's going to be auctioned <laughs> off in a live auction. That's that's cute. But we're like where the animals are kind of a meaningful part of it. And so you just brought up the fashion show. We do have a client in D.C., the Humane Rescue Alliance, and they do a couple of different events. And one of them was a fashion fur paws. Mm. And that was actually pretty fun, right? You know, just the ability to see, you know, kind of the fashion show aspect you know, with the dogs and whatnot, but the, the best one I have to say, and my sister actually used to attend this before we even, you know, started working with them is what they call the bark ball. Yes. And it is in one of the largest ballrooms in the DC area. And there's probably 12 or 1300 people that would attend this event with their dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that must be fun. <laughs> so, I well, I was super curious the first year, like, how is this going to work, right? And I'm sure over the years they've made tweaks here or there and perfected it. But, man, there was like 15 or 16 lines of check-in, and these dogs come in, and they're wearing all sorts of things. Some of these dogs have bow ties yeah. on. Some of them they have... They match their owners. They kind of right? do, yes. So there might be some cowboy dogs, and there might be some tuxedo dogs and whatnot. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so they come in, and, you know, for the most part, it's pretty good. It's kind of an interesting check-in experience because there's a lot of barking, right? And you're, so you're trying to talk <laughs> to people. To they have an amazing set of volunteers, as you imagine what you have to do. So Because you have to... You know, you got to be able to deal with the fact that they're dogs. So I remember at one point I look over and this dog comes running up and he kind of jumps up and put his paws up on the table like he's going to check in, you know, so they're having to pull him down. And then, you know, then there's dogs that, you know, poop or pee in the line and then you got to clear the line out and here come the roll of volunteers with their, you know, their spray and their paper towels and whatnot. And then there was an entire room of green astroturf. <laughs> but then that sounds like an for, accident waiting to happen in oh so my many God. levels. It was hilarious. Then you go down so then you go down to the ballroom area and I'm thinking how is this going to work with all this food? Well, all of the food is vegan. Because is I, I and who knows? M- maybe this wasn't ever true but maybe in the past they serve something that wasn't but these dogs they just are not, They're interested, not interested in vegan. Food. <laughs> Unless your name is Pugsley, so, and then you eat anything in sight, and so yeah. yes, <laughs> these dogs sit at their owners. They sit at their owners' feet, and I mean, it, this is a seated like gala dinner, and it seems to really work. And then volunteers will come around and walk your dog. So if your dog wants a walk, they have a leash. <laughs> they pick up your dog, and they will walk the dog. And around the there's this whole like mezzanine area around the ballroom, so they can kind of circle with the dogs and walk them. I was super impressed. I tell you what, we've done this event a number of years, and it still continues to impress me just kind of how well it works. That's surprising, I guess, if they, they, but having that many dogs and people in one space must be like insane to manage. And just thinking about the types of animals that are like, even Pugsley, who's like, he's a tiny little pug, but like, if he sees certain dogs, like, he'll just go bananas, like barking. And, and so I'm guessing the people that bring the animals, 
must be the ones that know like how their dog is going to react in those circumstances. Yeah. And they must be pretty aware. For I sure. think so. And, and I would also imagine that your dog may get booted if he's a misbehaving <laughs> dog. I hope but, so for the safety yeah. of everyone. And that's where I think right. we were talking about different issues that can maybe come up with using animals. And like, you know, we talked about the gorilla as a joke, but like even dogs, like, and even cats, like I've gotten pretty pretty brutally attacked by cats at my t- through my time at the shelter and so they can be when they're scared and it's not necessarily against them in particular it's not their fault but then it can be it can definitely become a safety hazard in some cases and you have to be just really careful about limiting your rules and making sure you have rules in place and procedures to to make sure that everyone including the dogs themselves stays safe and that that can be a bit of a challenge i'm sure yeah yeah well I would 100% agree. Although, you know, I've I've been to this event probably four or five times and every year it just it seems to run fairly smoothly. You know, you just don't run into a ton of those issues. I get it. Bringing in an animal definitely can be super impactful, but it also can be, you know, it can it can be a little bit of a management issue. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point, you know, they are animals. And so, you know, they're going to behave like animals at a certain level and so you just have to be prepared for that. And here we're talking about cats and dogs, like we're talking about dogs here, which is, you know, more simple, but pretty domestic, pretty pretty easy, you know, (laughs) but when you're, when we start thinking about, let's say if you're, if you're a nonprofit is is raising funds for wildlife. And then there's also the, you know, the ethical implications of what would it would actually represent to have a wild animal, you know, maybe not a gorilla, but even like smaller, more tame, you know, animals that are not dangerous per se, but it can also create this kind of ethical question of like, okay, but where did this animal come from and why is it here? And so there's a lot of judgment I feel in the animal world. That is something that a lot of people that are about to organize an event need to take into consideration. You mentioned, for example, the veganism issue. Well, I've worked, when I was working at the animal shelter, like some people would have ideas of doing like a fundraising barbecue and they were selling, like they were selling animal meat. And I was just you you can't do that anymore. Like, it's just not possible if you want to, to respect all of your, well, first of all, you respect the animals that you're raising funds for. But also there is this much more uh, intense pressure, even on animal welfare organizations, to start considering more the animal rights aspect of you're on the one hand benefiting from animal exploitation to then donate that money towards animal welfare, towards domestic animals. And so there is much more of that awareness that wasn't there when I started working in the animal shelter world about 15 years ago. So I do think that the, from an ethical consider, like perspective, organizations need to be much more sensitive to those issues because there is more and more of a transition towards if you care about animals, even if they're just domestic animals, you have to still be ethically conscious of the impact of your decisions on the other animals that are being affected by it. So I do think that that is something that more and more animal organizations need to take into consideration when they're organizing these types of events. I think that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, because you've got to show, I would say, just some consistency in your, in, you know, your actions and your words, right? Mm-hmm. So if your organization is, you know, geared towards, you know, protection of animals or, or their environments, you know, but you're doing certain things at your event that are, that could be perceived to be counter to that, it, it's definitely not going to, it, it's going to create some donor confusion, I guess is the way to say it. Like this doesn't make sense. No, and it can definitely turn off some donors while also the media, they have, I feel like the media has two situations in which they talk about charities. One is when there is a scandal 
or two around Christmas time when they're encouraging everyone to be generous. And so you don't want to be in that first category of really being shamed. And I, I think that there is also the opposite issue of there's a lot of shaming of being perfect as a nonprofit. And I don't think perfection exists. I think everything has an impact on the planet and so on animals. And so it's, it's, it becomes, it can become a very fine line of where do you draw the line of what is actually ethical or not. However, there are some obvious ones that you can take into consideration. But uh, I do think that we need to, as a sector, be aware of the image we're portraying of the cause as well. Uh, if you're doing, let's say, it could be it for animals, but even like in the environmental space, if you're doing a huge gala that's all about consumerism or there's a lot of like single-use plastic and a lot of things that are going to be wasted, you have to understand that that's going to be causing a bit of a a disconnect between your cause and the and the event itself. So there's a lot of those things that need to be taken into consideration when you're organizing these types of events. I think that's that's important thing yes. to point out is that there's got to be alignment there. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think it you've got to also align or better understand the people coming to my event, what are their values and what's important to them and am I aligned with that in terms of how I'm putting on this event? Cuz it makes perfect sense. You know, if you're if you're putting out, you know, plastic and paper for your event and you're, you know, into, you know, environmental causes, you know, (laughs) it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And look, we've been to events where, I mean, and it, and it could be as stark as, you know, an organization that's focused on alcoholism and then they're serving alcohol. Right. Right. Like how does that make any sense or like against diabetes and you're just serving like Pure dessert. sugar, a dessert. dessert. Like, <laughs> just a buffet. Did, did you not think of that? Like, that's interesting, and I think it does. It's across almost all organizations when you start to dial down. Yeah, so. I, I would say it's it, to your point, it, Kevin. It's, it's aligning values and your values, and kind of you know what you're producing at the event with the values of the donors that are attending, and just making sure there's some congruency there. Because if there's not. You know, they're just, they might just be shaking their heads. Yeah. And then they're going to share the, the best source of donors and of, of clients, like as is in business, as in nonprofits, is referrals, right? So you want people to be saying, not only did this event like blow my mind, they were also so aligned, which makes them, I feel, respect your organization that much more because they're like, they really went that extra mile to make sure that every dollar that was being spent on the event, even if everyone understands that there's costs associated with the event. But if you're at mm-hmm. least, let's say, in an environmental case, encouraging eco-friendly products, even the costs of the event are still encouraging kind of like the green economy. And so there's also that alignment with where those dollars are going. So I think that that's very, very important to be taken into consideration. I agree. Also, speaking of just alignment, like I think it goes one step further of events, especially fundraising events, shouldn't only be seen as money-making opportunities. It's, yes, it's a, it's a way to, to, to acquire new donors. It's a way of mobilizing your team, mobilizing your volunteers, you know, making that event uh, happening in many different ways. But I also think a lot of organizations tend to forget that it's also an awareness building opportunity. So you can consider that almost as an activity of a program. It doesn't have to just be, no, this is all checked off to fundraising. I'll give a little example of it's it was for an animal rights organization. So we didn't actually have any animals on site. There were some that came because it was a public event, but it wasn't the point. And we we did um actually a free vegan barbecue in downtown Montreal. 
And at first it started as this little thing. We created and invented World Tofu Day. Okay, we invented it. We decided we need a World Tofu Day, flipped a coin to figure out the date. Like we just want, at first, we just wanted to put it on our yearly calendar that we sent to our donors. And we're like, there's nothing in July. We need to invent a day. And so it started off really small. And then as we started building it, because people were just latching onto the opportunity to like, yes, we would love to give you 8,000 vegan burgers for this event for free. And we were like, oh, what are we going to do with 8,000 burgers? Like, because it just ended up growing and growing into this huge, like the biggest vegan barbecue that had ever happened publicly, according to our research. We're not any Guinness official yet, but it was still, it was, it was enormous. And so, yes, it was a fundraising event. We were, we were there to collect donations. We were there, but the main objective, in my opinion, was also to spread awareness about veganism and to invite people to like, hey, we're just come try it for free. Make a donation. We had um, a tofu wheel where it was like a, <laughs> a wheel of fortune where you can like spin it. And if you fell on our little tofu superhero, you won like a bag full of like tofu, like literally just tofu, tofu five <laughs> bricks of tofu. And it was just, it was funny and it was fun. And instead of shoving it down people's throats, literally, we did not do that with the tofu. Don't worry. We were, we were making it a fun event. So instead of, let's say a lot of people there, there's a lot of, you know, issues around veganism and, and around the movement. And I do agree that there, there, any extremism tends to be kind of a big turnoff for a lot of people. And what I found was really interesting about this event is that we were able to do it in a fun, inviting way. And so at this gala, kind of the example of like, well, the meal is vegan, but it's really good. Instead of forcing that that emphasis on it by making it just more available, I think it can also help the organization spread awareness, gives more alignment. They can feel comfortable that all of the dollars that were spent were spent on ethically like aligned issues, but also by making it an opportunity to teach people about, yes, you care about dogs. But did you know that pigs are just as intelligent as dogs? And so there's it can open a lot of discussions with your donors, too, that might make them respect you even more and your cause. I like that. You know, and, and what you said, I think, is important is making sure that if you've if you've got a cause that you're really trying to communicate and get out there, you still need to make everybody coming to the event feel somewhat comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. So making it fun, you know, where it's not you know, extremely dogmatic around, hey, these are the things that are important, but hey, we're going to show and expose you to a lot of that at our event because these are the things that are important to us. We want them to eventually be important to you. But the way we're going to do that is through, you know, kind of a, a fun fundraising event, you know, and there, there'll be some serious parts to it, but I, I do like that idea. And I think that's important for our our listeners to understand. And I have a question, oh, sorry, around that. So I keep thinking of, like the uniqueness of like the tofu wheel. And that's something <laughs> I certainly haven't heard of before. I've heard of other kinds of wheels you spin, but do you have advice or do you have thoughts on making your event unique? Because I think that's another way to draw just more donors. If, if word of mouth people share, Hey, you can go win all the tofu or you can go see these dogs in the fashion show. Like, do you have thoughts on, making your event really stand out and unique. I think personalizing things are is is really becoming a big trend in events of you, the whole traditional golf tournament type thing like it's great you can still do it but you have to personalize it to your specific cause. So I can just imagine a golf tournament with your dog, <laughs> you know where the dog has to try to chase after your golf ball or something silly but like turning it into an event that 
makes sense and not just an event for the sake of doing an event. And so the mm-hmm. tofu wool, for example, we just wanted to make also as many opportunities to raise funds. So it was like a $5 participation. There was different opportunities that were funny, but also related to the organ- to the cause that made it much yeah. more yeah. inviting. And so if it was just a Wheel of Fortune where you won random stuff, I mean, people would probably still participate, but there wouldn't be that sense of this is a happening. This is a thing. There's going to be like hashtag World Tofu Day. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have to make it into something that could be trending because once it's trending, something that feels connected, then people, it can become a thing and then people want to come back. Kind of like the 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 bark gala, like the bark ball. Right. Like yes. the, the more things you can add on every year, it's like, oh, how far are they going to push it this time? So like maybe one day could have been like tofu mm-hmm. fashion. I'm, I, please don't do that. But <laughs> for example, or like tofu sculpting, like they could have had like an act, you know, like silly things, but just... I think the, my biggest advice I would give to um, organizations is to sit down and just throw as many ideas at the wall as possible. Just go crazy and then talk to kids. I found my stepson has the craziest, silliest ideas. Uh, he wants to take over Pug World, it seems, because I wonder why. But yes, we have pugs. So that makes sense. <laughs> but kids tend to have really unique, creative ideas that can really get your wheels spinning. And so I find that's also mm-hmm. something that could be really interesting to, um, to, to consider and to take like a traditional fundraising tactic and just do a little spin on it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel game per se, but you just right. do a mm-hmm. little spin on it. So not necessarily about animals, but another example of, uh, I work a lot with um, organizations that fund uh, the elderly and in oh, long-term care homes. And he wanted to do a golf tournament, but that they would be paired with someone with dementia or someone with like that is in a long-term care home that would have to follow them around. And it was like, it would be a very interesting, but also learning about the other person, learning how the organizations have to deal with those issues. And so it wasn't reinventing the the golf tournament itself, but it was just adding that little personalized twist that made it special. And they're like, oh, like I know this, but this is a new version to it. So I think like the fashion show for pets People know what a fashion show is. It can't be something too crazy that people are not even going to know what your event is. But by adding that little personalized twist, I think it can really make the difference between a success or not. I love that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you can, again, you want to make feel, people feel comfortable. Like right. you want to get your message across. You want to connect them with what you do, but also feel comfortable at the same time. I mean, my daughter has a rare disorder where they're obsessed with food and there's been conversations and, and I know there's been fundraisers, not from our organization, but from others that have really tried to connect people with that by saying, well, let me show you what like a meal for a, you know, a Prada really kid looks like, you know, and then now you put down a plate and there's like two pieces of broccoli and a teeny little, you know, piece of chicken or whatever. And like, that's all they get, you know? And, then you bring out the real meal afterwards, but you're trying to kind of get people connected to this. I want you to see what this world is like, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe your clean water, that's your cause. And so you put like just tainted or food colored water down, like at the table and be like, and people are looking at it going, right. did you just get this out of the river or what? <laughs> and the whole point is like, no, it's actually just been colored, but I want you to get a feel like this is what, this is what our people drink until we come in and fix this kind of thing. So anything I think you can do to to really kind of bring it closer to home for certain people. Yeah. 
immersing I people. Think is important. You're immersing yes. them into the cause to make them feel more of a connection. And let's let's not, you know, beat around the bush here, but giving in philanthropy is an emotional action. It's we don't give from rationality. If everyone gave from rationality, we would be giving by what has them we'd make calculations about what's the most impact on my dollar all the time. And there are some people that do like effective altruism. However, in general, most people they give to what they care about, what makes them feel good. And that is completely natural. And so when you have people that get to live that experience, I also think it can have a much more lasting impact than just can have the fun. But if you have that lasting, like I can just imagine where they would have to have, like the water example just sparked an idea of they would have like those bags that you can filter any type of water in the world. And they would, you would Mm -hmm. have like actually like dirty water, obviously nothing dangerous, but then they would have to watch their water be filtered and be like, most people don't have the opportunity of getting that filtered water. And this is what we're offering to people today. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. like, oh God, like that's crazy. And so when you, when you have those situations, we actually, uh, we had, we did a lot of crazy stunts actually in the animal rights world where we did one where this woman who was actually pregnant, they did this whole stunt about what it's like in a puppy mill where this pregnant woman was put in a cage and it, it was much more, it was not necessarily a, a fundraising event, but we did a stunt that really caught people's attention. We were on the media and on the news because people put themselves like a pregnant woman is so like, it's so fragile and like you want to take care of them. And yet these dogs that are put in these cages are in the worst situation possible. They're still being like abused and so making that connection with the human and the animal was just crazy. And then obviously those pictures like blew up on, on social media and right. on the news. Yeah. And so I think you can, and it wasn't cruel, like there was no actual cruelty happening. And it was still a skit. And there was the, the person who was doing the, the like evil person was dressed up like kind of like a clown. So it was still entertaining. It wasn't like traumatizing but still gets your message across. Clowns are kind of traumatizing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Scary clown, but not too scary. But I do, I do think that you have to make that connection with the emotional side, and it could be in a, like, shocking revelation way, or you can, a lot of the, like, animal rights organizations tend to be a bit more shocking. Um, I don't necessarily agree with some of them that become it becomes very violent, and I don't think that yeah. that can, I don't think that's very beneficial, especially not in a fundraising event context. But there are ways that you can integrate it, like the, the 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 pet, you know, the pets coming to see you and being able to to have that that interaction, I think is really important. There's actually this one case where it's not it. I think it could be integrated into an event where kids would actually pr- go and practice reading to dogs. So they would actually go into the shelter and, you know, there were obviously, you know, child safe like situations that they would actually be able to spend time with a dog and practice reading at the same time. And so I think that there's there's ways that you can integrate many different ideas that make it so that you're really integrated into and involved in the cause in a, in right. a safe way. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. What other types of, you know, tips? I mean, we've talked about a ton of them, <laughs> but do you have any other tips or tricks or advice for people that are events, fundraising, anything in general? Well, I think for events, a lot of people tend to focus very much on, like I was saying before, on just the fundraising aspect. And I think that if they realize that their event is also an awareness building aspect, they can open up the doors to potential sponsors that are not just corporate sponsors that want visibility, but also to foundations who might want to support and fund an activity that is raising awareness. 
that also has a fundraising component. So you can open the doors to different funding opportunities if you kind of think outside the box. Uh, so yes, there's going to be money generating opportunities, but if there's, let's say, I've done organizations where they'll have a panel discussion or well, there'll be an activity that's, you know, spreading awareness about a certain issue. That can be a way of getting other donors to get involved as sponsors of the events because it's not just hmm. spot. Most foundations won't want to give money just to pay for a fundraising event, unfortunately, even if they could like quadruple 10 times their investment into making more. But that's a conversation for another day. But if you uh, if you have some form of component that is educational, you can probably convince more foundations to get involved in in, in funding the event itself. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah. You know, I that makes a lot of sense, you know, just, just to really start to get people, you know, maybe just deeper connected into one of the aspects of your of your charity, mm -hmm. right? And I it, love the it, panel it, idea. I do. And <laughs> yeah. I think it would grow, it, again, it can grow your donor base because if you have that partnership, then... Again, you're going to spread the word, and you'll maybe have more people. Yeah, who I think it's a way. Interested. It's a way to. It's a new way to engage. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Because you know, you engage with the heartstrings. You you can engage somewhat intellectually, and in, in, in one of those aspects could be educationally, right? I mean, you're not now. For you're sure. just taking it to a level where you're offering some sort of education or input. And I, I mean, I, I'm going to figure figure out how we do that in <laughs> <at> my event, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Because I think what you're describing makes sense. I mean, think about clean water, right? I mean, in, in my my event's not about that, but but just think about something like that. Just start to start to educate people on, you know, not just the size of the problem, but but really start to give them a little bit of a deeper understanding of on, of how to properly Solutions, solve the problem. Yes. And what's the process? What does that look like? You know, what a day in the life of someone working in, let's say, an animal shelter or working for a clean water organization. Like, what does that look like on a daily basis? What are the challenges yeah. we face? When I share stories about, you know, individual stories really help as well. It's telling like a mm -hmm. bedtime story type thing of when you're telling your child a bedtime story, what resonates the most is the story itself. Even if we know we have a lesson that we want to teach them in our, you know, back of our minds. We, we have a lesson that we want them to learn, but what keeps them is the, the narrative. And so I find a lot of times in events, if you're able to tell, like weave a story throughout your event that is yep. able to express a certain lesson that at the end, they're like, oh, now I get it. And they'll be always remember right. the story of that dog or the story of that kid or the story of that product, that it, how it came to be. Stories tend to really help us learn lessons much easier. So I think that that's something that needs to be weaved into events to really have the profound impact. No one wants to be lectured. No, <laughs> so. it's like we're not there to go to school, you know, no. like people know deep down. Right. But if you share the story, so there's so many stories of, of like mutual rescue of where, yes, the right. person adopted the dog. But at the end of the day, the dog actually ended up saving the person because <laughs> the person was depressed and right. this and that. And it's actually the other way around. People, it just flips their it flips a switch of like, oh, I never thought of it in that way. And then it'll be much more, it'll resonate in so many different ways. I agree. And I mean, from a very personal standpoint, talking about dogs, two of our dogs, well, three of all three are rescues, but two of them come from really, really sad situations. And when I share the story that my lab has 42 gun pellets in him from being shot at as a puppy, you know, that... That makes people really <laughs> feel. I think definitely that, again, those heartstrings, mm -hmm. it's for sure. But just 
sharing something that's really going to touch people is it's so yeah. important. But also like even that yeah, story of, of of the dog, I would oh. even like of your of your own dog bring it the next step, and yet this dog still trusts humans, you know. And and I think flipping it around of that compassion, empathy of you need people to understand like how like the strength that it is required in a lot of these situations. And I think that that motivates people a lot to give courage, yep. strength. Yeah, it does because we all want to be that hero, that person that is is <laughs> right. beyond. And so when you hear about stories like that, you're like. I need to give, I need to, I need right. to support this because this is what's beautiful. How can I help exactly. The dog? Yeah. Like, I want this dog to make it because he did a great job. And yep. so I think yep. that those stories are, are definitely what motivates people to, to participate. And even if they know deep down, it's not going towards that specific dog per se, but it's, you're, you're giving into that story, that narrative of more animals in those situations. Right. Yeah. No, this is great. And, and, so just to kind of wrap up and kind of summarize what we've talked about, I mean, we started out talking about aligning the values around your causes with what you're actually doing at your, your event. event, right? So that, and then, and then moving into, as you do those things, just making sure your donors feel comfortable, right? So that when they, and, and, and doing so in a way that also can be fun. So when you do have a serious message that you want to get out there, or you do want to make sure that you are, you know, creating some form of an impact, doing it in a way that's slightly fun will help make it yes. more comfortable for those that might be new to that messaging, right? Well, nobody yeah. wants to go to a downer event, you know? It's okay no. to tear up a little, but you also are there to have a social evening. But if so. you, yes, and look, some some of that isn't always possible, right? If you have a really serious mm -hmm. thing you've got to deal with, right. it's not always easy to make that fun. But if you're trying to introduce people to the charity's philosophy or a cause or whatever, it sounds like the way, like your, your tofu idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Yes. It's definitely unique. For too. <laughs> sure. Like if you're, if you're, if you're trying to really promote, you know, kind of a vegan lifestyle, I think that, that kind of stuff would work. I think mm -hmm. it's about, right. For sure. Like even with very difficult causes, it's about ending, even if there's a tough part to it of like, you need to be real. We can't sugarcoat right. the reality of, of what we're dealing with. Like, um, right. you know, child slavery is not like, I can't imagine a fun right. twist to that, but That's if right. you no. have, human, human trafficking, trafficking is probably off the list. But you can have right. an inspiring end of showing yes. the yes. the success stories of what has been achieved and imagining a world right. where that doesn't exist. So even if you have yeah. a tough yeah. subject, there is a way of making it inspiring instead of disheartening. And because when people are just I've seen people at the SPCA uh, so many times say just like, I hate humans. It's kind of like they gave up of like, humans suck. Screw this. I'm done. And I'm like, but humans are our volunteers. Humans are our, our employees. Humans are the ones donating to our cause. And so then it gives back mm -hmm. hope. So by focusing on the positive stories, it doesn't mean we're neglecting what's really happening. Yes, this is a problem that we need to face. But I think at an event, you can end with like, Okay, but how are we going to inspire people to continue taking action? Because look at what we're able to achieve. Right. So it's, it, yeah. you can twist yeah. anything into sense. an inspiring story, even if it's not entertaining. And that's in that sense, as like as much as the tofu wheel is, you know, like. <laughs> I really loved your hint wrapping up that take something that people know and apply it to your organization. Make it give yeah. it that special twist and just make your event stand out. For sure. Yeah. 
And you don't have to go crazy. No, you don't. You don't. And you can, you know, and and look, you you definitely don't have to do, like, everything, right? You just try a couple of things and see how they work. And you can always switch it up next year. Like, let's say if you're, instead of doing just, like, a typical auction, you auction off only animal art. Animal, that art that, mm-hmm. that represents animals, or you can have local artists do live art events. I did a, a silent auction once where all of the painters were actually painting the the piece live, and you got to bid on it as it was evolving yes. as a piece. Those are it amazing. Was so, aren't it was they? so great. And I can just imagine like the same thing, but then you say all of the pieces have to somehow involve animals in their own style. And so then you have all of these different art pieces representing animals, so it's still thematic. Well, the bark ball, they they will paint a portrait of your of dog. Of course they will. So, yes. And so there was a massive line for that. They had about five or six oh painters, artists. Oh, my gosh. And you lined up with your dog, and then well, you would, I would wait in line for that. Yes. I, well, people spend money on their pets. There's no insane. doubt in my mind how much money. It's insane. Yes. So. And I get it, right? I mean, all of us. But it might as well go to a good cause, love, so. right? Like that's right. Exactly. So if you're gonna yes. do it, like people will For do it sure. on their own. Might as well have that money be donated to the cause. Yeah. So people, it encourages yes. people in that direction. Hundred percent. Well, Catherine, so this fun. has been amazing. Yes, and we like meeting your dog as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he left because he was like, "I'm done with you. You're not paying me attention to me." He's out. <laughs> but it was really great. All right. Well. Yes. yes, and you enjoy Mexico. Like I said, we're super jealous. Yes. <laughs> we'll be really jealous in about three We'll be months. really jealous in December <laughs> yep. when you're in Mexico and we're in Colorado. But yes. anyway, it's been a pleasure. Yes. And um, so thank you all uh, for listening to this uh, episode of the Elevate Your Event podcast. And we'll be back with more tips and tricks on how to make your next fundraising event soon enough. Until then, happy fundraising. See you later.